0: to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, Please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott.
1: Well, as we study today, we're in the Calvary Chapel distinctives, and when we look at the distinctives, we see the importance of what we use within the structure of our church right, of what we call church. We, we do a reinforcement of what the foundational pieces are, uh, of what we believe and why we believe it to be truth. And so far we've covered uh, uh, the call to ministry, Hebrews 5.4, and no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. We all have a calling to serve God, every single one of us in this room. It's not just for a, a pastor or a worship leader or, or another leader within the church. It's every single one of us. We have gifts and talents and abilities, and we can serve God at different levels. And we talked about God's model for the church, Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And that's what church was to look like, being a Holy Spirit-filled church. We talked about church government, Ephesians 1.22, he put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things of the church. God is the head of the church. The Holy Spirit leads the pastor who is called to lead and is supported by the elders who seek direction of the Holy Spirit as well. Then we talked about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, Acts eight. When you'll receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the remotest parts of the earth. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that works in three ways in our lives. Before you were born again, before you gave your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is walking alongside of you, guiding you, directing you, drawing you into a relationship with the Father. Then when you surrender your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit indwells you, comes into you, and then as we continue to grow and mature in our walk with the Lord, it's the Holy Spirit that fills us daily so we can accomplish all it is that it is that he has for us to do. And we talked about building the church God's way. Zechariah 4.6, the last part of that verse, is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That scripture actually is going to come into today's message as well. The idea is that we're not pursuing endless programs. We're developing the church as God directs the church. Teaching, verse by verse, expository teaching. Grace upon grace. We talked about God's grace. Hebrews 13, 9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. God has extended His grace to each one of us. Way more than I deserve then we have to extend grace to others as well. Then we had the priority of God's Word, First Timothy 4.13. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation and to teaching. As a church, we declare the whole counsel of God's Word, that Genesis to Revelation, everything about God's Word is important. Verse by verse, exegesis. Teaching what the Bible says. Uh, what God is truly saying, not not iso Jesus, where we take a scripture out of context, as we've all seen and heard, right? Making the scripture say what we want it to say. That's that's not how we teach. What is it that God's word says, and why does it say it? We talked about the centrality of Christ. Second Corinthians four five. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. Everything we do as a ministry, everything we do as a church must point to Christ. He's the reason we even exist. When we worship, it should be about drawing attention to Jesus, not to man. But worship is more than singing a song, more than raising your hands or bending a knee. It's about our daily lives, worshiping the Lord through our attitudes and our actions. And last week, we touched ever so briefly on the end times and the rapture of the church. Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In that message, we looked at the fact that we should all be ready. We should be ready at all times, awaiting and anticipating the return of Jesus coming soon. Meaning if Jesus is coming soon, and that's what we see happening in our world around us, then the rapture of the church is coming even sooner. And as I looked at this subject, I pointed out the fact that we cannot bring division over our personal view of the end times and the church, the rapture of the church specifically, but to stay focused on what is important. That is that we are to occupy until Christ returns. That means that we get up every day. We get dressed and we engage with those that God brings around us, that that we give a reason for the hope that we have and we do it with gentleness and compassion. We are to be active and engaged, doing all that God has for us to do. Now today, the title of this chapter is Having Begun in the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I tend to be a great starter. I'm good at vision. Like, even when we walked into this building for the first time and looked around, like, okay, could we do church here? I could already see things. Like, this is where we're going to do this and this. This is where this is going to happen. Obviously, this room was easy. This is where we're going to have church. Right? I, I'm good at that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm good at, at getting things going. But then, well, don't we all get distracted? And we're not always distracted by sin, which does indeed happen, but simple things distract us as well. As sometimes we just get busy and we're moving along and then all of a sudden it's squirrel and off we're going. And I didn't know that I was going to be illustrating this so well this morning in first service, but as I got down after first service to the uh, usually the encouraging wife that I have that loves me, I get down off the platform and she's trying to contain the laughter. I'm like, what is going on? And she simply says, look down. Look at your feet. I had a black shoe on and a brown shoe on. Distractions. Right? We all get distracted, don't we? And we just, we're busy, we're doing things. I had a short night of sleep last night. I was trying to be gentle and nice to my wife and get my stuff out of the room without turning lights on. Apparently, I grabbed two of the wrong shoes. But we do things, and we think we're focused, and things come to our mind and, and random thoughts and things that are distracting, and that happens all the time. Uh, things come to your mind like, how come when you call a wrong number, it's never busy? Or does killing time really damage eternity? Have you ever wondered why Tarzan doesn't have a beard? Random thoughts. Why is it as you're driving and you get closer to your destination that you reach over and you turn the radio down so you can see the address better? Things that go, that's kind of how my brain works. Now you know what's happening in here. I can fall asleep really good sitting in my chair in the living room. Anybody else? You got that chair? You get sat down and it's like, you're out. Then it's time to get up, it's time to go to bed. And then your brain goes, okay, now, let's think about the smoke and the fires, and let's think about the vaccines and the masks, and let's think about well, communism and socialism, and let's work this thing out, and what does it look like in our world? And that's that's where our brain goes, doesn't it? We get distractions. Oh, I wonder how so-and-so's doing. I haven't seen them in a while. And it goes on and on. Hebrews 12.1 says, Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hebrews is filled with excellent examples for our faith, for us to, to draw strength and courage from in our walk with the Lord, and, and when that becomes difficult. And like them, we must let go of anything that hinders our relationship with God. And as Paul says, count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. We cannot succeed in this race with the passions of the world weighing us down. We talk so often about those distractions and those voices. We hear too many voices. Can we set aside the the news stations and the social media and all those other distractions and voices, and can we focus on God's word? Can we seek Him and His voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've got to run wholeheartedly for Christ. Or not at all. We've got to be all in. In that, we've got to work hard to keep our perspective and to engage in our relationship with God. We have to stay focused. We have to literally hold every thought captive as unto the Lord. We have to take our thoughts to prayer and our thoughts, to the word. That kind of happened, I don't know, yesterday. Any of you guys spend some time outside yesterday? Smoke just was everywhere. And as it got into the afternoon, the wind started blowing and the smoke got thicker in our neighborhood. And literally, it looked like maybe there was a fire across the street. It was that thick. And it just felt ominous, didn't it? And, and I went to bed and slept for a little bit. I think I got an hour and a half sleep last night. And I just had this heaviness, and I got up and went and prayed, and and just praying. Like, what is going on in our world? You know, I I wasn't in, I wasn't worrying, I wasn't fearful. I went out and I went to prayer. I, I'm taking those thoughts and holding them captive as unto the Lord. I, I, I'm taking them to prayer. I'm taking them to Scripture, and I'm asking God, okay, what's happening? I'm praying over my family. I'm praying over my friends. I'm praying over you guys. Lord, what are you doing in this time and this season that we're at? Those thoughts, when we get distracted, it could have been easy, right? How many times do we have those moments and we just kind of go down that rabbit trail? That's why last week I warned you against um, all the conspiracy theory and the false prophecy that's out. Don't chase it. Chase God's Word. Chase the truth of what God is saying. Don't be pulled away. Teaching God's word. Having to begin something in the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6 says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, most of the time when I teach, I teach from the NASB, which I know is against Calvary Chapel tradition. It's supposed to be New King James, right? But I also like going into the NLT once in a while. So New Living Translation, in the same verse I just scripture I just read, we are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of the new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The reality is, as human beings, we must replace our self-confidence with God-confidence, removing pride. So regardless of your personal abilities or competencies, you and I are incapable of of producing spiritual results via earthly means. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by His Holy Spirit. We must always submit to our ever-competent king and humbly depend on the power of the Holy Spirit so he can accomplish his kingdom agenda through you. God is using you and will use you to accomplish his will in this time that we live in. My prayer every Sunday as I walk into this building is that the Holy Spirit would move on our hearts and our minds and draw us to action according to His word, not man's word. I pray, Psalms 51, 10 through 13, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. I would also say here, every single one of you should be praying that prayer, that psalm, every day. We should all be praying that every day. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew that steadfast spirit in me so we can continue to walk as God is directing us. The Calvary Chapel movement is a work that was inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit, a work that began in the Spirit, and Pastor Chuck points out that we can see amazing movements and, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit throughout history. But in, in many cases, the work that was started in the Spirit, it shifts at some point to man trying to complete them in the flesh. And that cycle is visible in, in the Bible and it's visible in our world history. Movements of God, powerful things that soon die and become ritualistic. Ritualism a rut that we cannot get out of. Pastor Chuck said it this way, ritualism is nothing more than a rut. The only difference between a rut and a grave is the length and the depth. So instead of seeing the church continue in health led by the Holy Spirit, we end up seeing a man trying to apply CPR to keep the church on life support no longer able to focus on those things the ministry that that the Holy Spirit had brought them to do in the first place the the thing that started the ministry the ministry that had great fruit but now that ministry all the energy is focused on not letting it die I've been part of a church like that a a part of a church sadly to say that, that needed to die literally And I've seen that church in the last few years. I watched it die, but then I watched new life grow out of it. Now the church is bigger than ever, and it's growing, and it's reaching a community that wasn't being reached before. It's being restored to a fresh work. As human beings, we tend to do the same thing. When when things are going well, how many of you keep your guard up? Things are going good. You kind of let your guard down, don't you? We all do it. We've got to keep our guard up. If you let your guard down, then you fall, or you get yourselves into trouble, and, and then we go running to God again, and we're, ah, but Father, please help me. Forgive me. I need you. But thank God for his unending grace and mercy. Amen? We can read this cycle time and time again through the Bible. Just read the book of Judges. And even in our church history, we have great men like John Wesley and Martin Luther powerful movements of God with the presence of the Holy Spirit evident in their lives and in their ministry. But if you were to examine a Lutheran church today or the Methodist church today, the majority of them are caught up in rituals of modern man, modern man-made systems vastly different than what was at the beginning of those movements. God brings in new, fresh movements, new works, but it's the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is directing. 1 Corinthians twelve four through 6 Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Fresh and new works, but by the same Spirit calvary chapels are still in that first cycle in that first part of it so we've got to guard against doing things man's way we've got to guard against ritualism and falling into man-made things that's the importance of simply teaching god's word simply and staying focused on his word as we study and as we grow The Holy Spirit had moved underneath the the Calvary Chapel umbrella and is still moving. There's there's more than 50 plus Calvary chapels in the Rocky Mountain region now. It's something to celebrate. But we have to remember what Zechariah said in the last part of Zechariah 4.6, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Stay focused on letting the Holy Spirit lead us as a body, as a movement, and watch what God does. Watch how God changes people's lives. The Apostle Paul addressed the churches in Galatia about guarding against the flesh. In Galatians 3, 3-5, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and works and miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? You see, we can't accomplish anything without Him. If the Holy Spirit didn't show up today, I don't want to be here. We can't do anything without Him. Miracles, by definition, involve the invasion of the supernatural world into the natural world. So no matter how hard you work, you cannot pull off a miracle. Maybe you can fake one. We've got a lot of those churches around. You could fake it. But are you truly going to pull off a miracle? It only happens through faith in the power of God and the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot do anything with our own wisdom under our own power. And as we do this study, I love looking, and anytime I'm in the Word, I, I love looking at men and women of the Bible and see who it is that God has used. It's, it's encouraging um, and sometimes laughable when we think about some of the stories. But we know that, that God used King David, Jacob, Gideon, Joseph, Mary, Martha, all in different ways. Moses is an example of a knucklehead that was used by God. Right? Somebody who, who struggled a bit. He had a burning bush experience with God right there. And he still pushed back. Exodus 3.11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? God showed up in a big way. And Moses says, Lord, I have no confidence in who I am. God had preserved his life for such a time as this. Moses did have confidence at first, right? He saw the, the soldier beating one of his people, and he kills him, and he buries him. He didn't even dispose of the body correctly and was found out. He had reacted in the flesh and had to flee. So question for you this morning is... Uh, Are there times that you know what God has told you to do, but instead, you do what you want? I know God is directing me this way, but I'll go this way. Not very wise to do. If we can be obedient to what God is telling us to do, we're going to see amazing things happen. Moses struggled taking care of one soldier, but when God freed the israel people pharaoh's army pursued them god is the one that took all of the soldiers out he buried the whole army working things out in the flesh will never bring a desired result we too become discouraged and defeated when we try to do something in the flesh even with good intentions maybe the flesh gets in the way so fast doesn't it just when we think we're doing okay and we're we're on track, and the flesh gets in the way. So what happened to me is I responded to an associate pastor at another church, and they were planting a church, and and I had been sitting for a while doing nothing in ministry. And he's like, "Hey, we need people to come do this thing." And he's like, "We're going to plant a church." And I just said, "Yep, I'll do that. I'm in. I'll go." I didn't pray about it. Didn't talk to anybody about it. I just went. I was in the flesh. It was a noble thing. Planting a church is a good thing, right? It was a noble thing, but it's not the thing that God wanted me to do. I was trying to make something happen. It turned out to be the worst ministry experience of my life. It was, it was that from that experience that, that I came out of, and I'm shaking my fist at God, and I'm blaming Him. I told Him that I would never be in ministry again. I made the choice. I blame God. <laughs> Ever done that before? It's it's disobedience. I'll never be in ministry again. That came out of my mouth. And again, thank God for his grace and mercy and for his ever-present sense of humor. Because here I am in ministry, operating in the Spirit, will always accomplish God's will. So why shouldn't we pursue that? Operate in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. God told Moses in Exodus 3.12, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign that, to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Now, also something the Apostle Paul reminds us of, of us as well in Romans 8.31, that when shall we say these to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Can we keep our perspective correct? God's for you. He, he's walking with you. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you do well. He is for you. We should rise up with a great deal of confidence because not only is he with us, he is for us. When we think about sin, we think about big things, don't we? Really sin is missing the mark. The reality is that it is simple disobedience to God. That sin can even be doubting his direction in your life. And there's many times that we tend to force God into plan B because we have doubt or we're just straight up disobedient. We compromise or we lack an all-in mentality or all-in Commitment to God. Guys, we've got to be all in. We can't be halfway. It's got to be all or not. But Moses, a man with no confidence, no credibility, no ability, didn't even have a desire. Yet he was chosen by God to deliver his people. God still used him. That's where my term knucklehead comes in. God still used that guy. How much more can he use you and I? The reality is that you are chosen by God. God does have a purpose and a plan for your life. He has work for you to do. You and I are alive today in this world, in this country, in this city, sitting in these seats, in this building, in this city for a reason and for a purpose for such a time as this. You know what? God has you in the family that you're in for a reason and a purpose. Are you looking for that? Are you engaging in that? Are you taking advantage of it? Another example is Gideon. Once again, the children of Israel cry out to God and he responds. God calls Gideon into service. Judges 6.14, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel at the hand of the Midian. Have I not sent you? Gideon responds obediently, right? Without giving God any lip? No. He responds this way in in verse 15. Oh, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's household. Excuses flow. It's funny how we tell God why we cannot do what he has told us to do. God just told you to do it. Oh, I can't do that. I don't meet the standard. I'm disqualified. The question for you, then, is how many times do we need to be reminded that God will qualify those that he calls? If God is calling you into something, he will qualify you. 2 Corinthians twelve nine and 10, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness and insults and distresses, persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. God takes us right where we're at to start with. Pastor Chuck said, when we do not have confidence in our own power, we know that if the work is going to be done, it has to be done by the Lord that's what we need to rely on that's where I am now that's where I am in my life that's that's what I'm reminded of every day if God doesn't show up that's not going to happen if Foothills Calvary if this ministry is going to succeed it's only because the Holy Spirit is moving and I'm staying out of the way it's only because the Holy Spirit is moving and we as a body are staying out of the way God use us and work through us let us be that vessel but don't let us get in the way I can also relate to Chuck's feelings that he had wasted so much time before he understood that his fleshly work would fail. I've had those ministry opportunities where, you know, I've done what the book says, not the Bible. It's the book on whatever that was. Youth ministry is mostly what it was. If you do these things, you'll get the 1,000 kids in your youth ministry, blah, blah, blah. And when you find out that having 32 TVs in the room, the youth room and the stage and a big band and all those things didn't really work didn't bring fruit, wasted so much time. I had so many missed opportunities as well. But even in that time, I see how God was preparing me for that next thing he had prepared for me. I would say I had missed opportunities. He was working in me. And that day that I hit my knees and I genuinely surrendered my life to the Lord, when I repented and believed, When I said, here I am, Lord, use me. I will serve you wherever you want me to do. That's when the Holy Spirit began to do that new work in my life. That's when he does that work in your life. As soon as you hit your knees, as soon as you say, God, here I am, I'm ready to go, use me. I began to experience joy. My attitude and my perspective shifted. Everything wasn't perfect. There were hard times. But God was in the middle of all of it. His Holy Spirit was doing a new thing. He was guiding and directing. I still had, and honestly, I still have those moments of, who Who am I? Who am I to be standing here on this platform teaching from God's Word? Who am I to teach at other churches even? Who am I? Gideon tried to disqualify himself. God knew that he would be obedient. That that Gideon would be obedient and that he would give all glory to God. He knew his heart. That's what he calls us into. The Midianites were indeed scattered. They were defeated. They even came to Gideon and said, okay, we want you to rule over us. And his response was spot on. In, In verse 23 of Judges 8, Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, but the Lord will rule over you. And that's the type of person that God is looking for, someone who will say, none of what I have just done is about me or for me. This is all to glorify God. It's all for God's glory. That's why as we close out each service, we're always saying, "You know, may your faith be seen and God be glorified in everything you do. Because that's the focus. That's the purpose. And even David, the man who would be king David was surrounded by discontent and stressed out, indebted men. A bunch of misfits, 400 to be exact. Misfits who God would raise up to be a mighty army. Who is it that God has put around you? Are they perfect? I'm sure you all have perfect friends, perfect family, right? Everything's perfect. Who has God surrounded me with? We have elders team leaders, ministry leaders. And of course, they all are perfect. I love them all. Don't try to disqualify yourself from service or from ministry because you, you think you're not perfect. God has work for you to do. Even when God called the prophet Jeremiah, he responded to God, who, me? I, I cannot speak. I'm, I'm a child. Jesus built his ministry. He, his disciples included fishermen and a tax collector. He didn't go to the University of Jerusalem and look for the most educated Hebrew and, or, or somebody who knew the philosophy of religion, how to build a temple faster. He didn't ask Gamaliel who the sharpest, the best students were. He went to the Sea of Galilee where fishermen were hanging out. As the Calvary Chapel movement started, God was reaching into the hippie movement and he was bringing hope. They were reaching the cast-offs from our society. You can search and you can find men and women of God still engaged in ministry today with testimonies of of responding to the gospel message and to being transformed. Remember back when we talked about grace upon grace. God extended grace. He restored men and women. Men and women that seemed less than. He restored them. He used them. It's the same for you. God extends His grace. He restores you and uses you. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, He takes you right where you're at. And He uses you to bring glory to His name. In our human mindset, we try to do it in the flesh. We try to do it on our own. But God, God has a different plan. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 31, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. You see, he, he's pointing out that, that God doesn't always call those who are qualified. Not many wise, noble, or mighty, even those who are pursuing the flesh, he still uses them. We've talked about it before. God will use the righteous and the unrighteous to exact his will and his creation. Verse 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify things that are, so no man may boast before God. And then in verse 31, he drops the hammer. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That should be our boast. Not, I did this, look at this great thing. Oh man, look what God did. That's why we talk about the prayer cards that you guys have. We always ask for praise requests. or praise reports as well. Tell us what God has done so we can boast on the Lord. What is God doing in your life? How has he blessed you? How has he answered those prayers? Let's boast on the Lord. So remember, when God calls you, he will qualify you as you surrender all of your life to him. But you have to remember, it'll take time. It's a process. We have to be obedient and hold steady. You know, when we read the, the scriptures and we read these stories, it takes us like five minutes, right? We read through this little story and are like, wow, that's great. And sometimes those stories took years or hundreds of years to happen. My testimony, when I say, man, when I surrender my life to the Lord completely, that's when God began to do that work. That was 29 years ago. 29 years to get from where I was to where I am today. And I'll still be growing as I keep moving forward. It takes time. Okay, hey, God puts the call on our life. All right, start walking it. Be present. Be active where God has you until God moves you to that next thing. Don't jump ahead of him. Walk with him and be directed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told the disciples when he was here, as we studied through the book of John, that he had to leave so the Holy Spirit could come and help us. It is in the Holy Spirit that, that, that we are called and, and filled and, and empowered and directed to do that which God wants us to do. The main piece of that is to proclaim the gospel message, to bring hope to those who are hurting. To by the spirit, begin ministry. And see, I laugh because God, God called me, I'm a nail bender. I'm a master driving specialist carpenter who am i he called me to proclaim the gospel message in this process i must always be ready to learn and grow and understand to know who god is and his will for my life god stirred in my heart i'm going to be in ministry okay i do what the rest of the world does i go back to school i start going back to school and about a year into that god opened blew the doors open for me to be in full-time ministry as a youth pastor. I couldn't have orchestrated that. That was God. I set school aside, we go in, we do full-time ministry. It's amazing, God's blessing it, it was powerful. I learned a lot of things. And don't get me wrong, education is good. You You need to hear the heart of this. Always be a learner. I always want to be a learner. A man of the book. As we went through the the book of John, we're studying the book of John. We were talking about being known as people of the book. People who spend time in God's word. That's what we need to be. I eventually did go back to school. I got a a piece of paper now that states everything that I'd already been doing in ministry for a few years. But I've got an official piece of paper. I now have a college degree. a, A bachelor's in organizational management and Christian leadership with a minor in psychology and a Bible certificate. Got a piece of paper for things that God already had me doing. Right? I did get to walk the stage at the same time my son did. He graduated the same day I did, so that was kind of cool. But it's where some people push back on the Calvary Chapel ministry model. You don't have to have a degree in pastoral ministry or have a PhD behind your name or any other letters behind your name. You need to be truly surrendered to God and called to full-time ministry in that though it, maybe it's not full-time maybe it's part-time maybe it's as a volunteer maybe it's bivocational. vocational the reality is that if the Holy Spirit is directing the Holy Spirit is leading it's the beginning of your personal ministry if the Holy Spirit is in this the whole time God is going to bless it and he's going to put you where you need to be as you need to be there. every single one of us are called into ministry at some point doesn't mean you're all going to be a pastor doesn't mean you're all going to be a worship leader doesn't mean you're all going to be an elder but you're all called to serve in a capacity. This applies to all of us. If we're to be successful here in our church, it's because of what God is doing. It's because the Holy Spirit is moving. It's because the Holy Spirit is alive and active in your lives, not because of anything I've done in the flesh or anything that we do collectively, physically. It's gotta be all about God and his word penetrating the hearts and minds of people. The Holy Spirit moves and we obediently study and prepare to the very best of our abilities. We go deeper. I pray all the time, Lord, let me go deeper. Give me more time. Can you extend the hours? Let me go deeper. And again, education is important, but make sure that the education that you're getting is appropriate for what God is calling you to do. How many of you are actually using the degree you got? And don't raise your hand that you got in college, you're actually using it right now. A lot of times that we do, we pursue education, we pursue education, then we never use it, and it doesn't, what is it for? Make sure that you are pursuing the right education. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of God. That's all of us. Study to show yourself approved. How many conversations have you had where you felt like you're struggling with being able to put biblical application to it? You know why you struggle with putting biblical application to it? Because you haven't been in the Word. Get in the Word more. Learn and grow. Come back to it. It's okay to tell people as you're sharing your faith, as you're trying to encourage them, it's okay to tell them, you know, I don't know the answer for that. Let me get back to you. Make sure you follow up with them and get back to them. Study the Word show yourself approved. Pastor Chuck said, true education doesn't come from the wisdom of the world, but by the guidance of wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. But how can we expect to be prepared or to be used if we spend minimal time in the Word? The more time we spend in the Word, the more noticeable it is to others. In Acts 4.13, it says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So question for you, is it obvious to others that, that God brings around you that you have been with Jesus? When leave, When the service is over today, and you're driving out of this parking lot, and somebody from the apartments cuts you off, Are they going to know that you just spent time with Jesus? Or are you going to react in the flesh? Does your speech and your conduct proclaim Christ? What about maybe even holding your tongue? Sometimes we just need to be quiet, don't we? If we can just hold our tongue in some of those tense situations, God brings peace. And we don't exasperate the problem. What do you have that's different than others? What, what giftings, what talents and abilities do you have that can be used to glorify God and to expand His kingdom? Search those things out. Begin to use them. I don't care how young or how old you are. We all have something we can be doing. One of my best friends and mentors, when he was in his 80s when his wife had passed away. And I had to watch. he was a church planner. He did all kinds of things. He was awesome, just an awesome mentor. And I watched his life. and and his wife passed away and he just sat across the table from me and he's like, I don't know what to do now. I don't have my wife. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, Pastor B, your new ministry's starting. You get to do something new and fresh. And that light went off. He's like, oh yeah. And he started a new ministry. It doesn't matter where we're at in life. God will use us if we're obedient and we're asking him. Each of the disciples had quirks, quirky fellows. They had issues, idiosyncrasies. None of them had a PhD. None of them had any specialized classes. Here's the key to their learning. They simply observed Jesus, and they absorbed his word. And then when he was gone, the Holy Spirit came, and they went to work. They were obedient in proclaiming his word and bringing the gospel message. Ordinary men, ordinary women of God always be able to be used and to do amazing things as we surrender it all. and Say, God, just use me. Whatever that capacity looks like. Let me see with your eyes how I should be in this situation and let me respond with your heart. So that call to action for us maybe you struggle with distractions. Prayerfully, you guys have the same colored shoes on. Maybe you're struggling with distractions. Maybe you need to ask God, okay, what needs to go so I can focus better? What do I need to step into so I can grow in my walk with you? Maybe you're stuck in a rut. I just can't get out of this thing. I just keep riding along. Lord, would you give me vision to, to get out of this rut? Maybe you're disqualifying yourself. Well, you know, I was such a bad person. I mean, I know, I know I'm going to heaven. I've made that choice and made that commitment, but God can never use me because I was that guy. I still have people that I run into from high school. Well, how are you doing? What are you up to? I'm a pastor now. I'm sorry, you are what? Don't disqualify yourself. What is it that God is calling you to do? Step up. Shift gears. That's the Holy Spirit to start and to continue to do that new work in your life to complete what it is that he has started. The other challenge is that you need to make it obvious that you've spent time with Jesus. You leave here today, you should be full of joy of the Lord. The next person that you see that's not in this place should know that you're you got God. you got the Holy Spirit. You're a spirit-filled believer. It doesn't mean you're going to be thumping over the head with the Bible. Be Jesus. How many times do we see in the store somebody yelling at somebody or at the restaurant, yelling at a waiter? Man, just love on people. Let them know that you just spent time with the Lord and bless them. Make them come back and ask questions. Why are you so happy? Because i got Jesus. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit but your life is really going rough right now. Yeah, things are pretty rough. But God, God has a plan, and it's going to be okay. Be that person. Amen? Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts, and the supremacy of love. And uh, so I'm excited for next week as well. Um, Let's pray. Father God, first of all, we thank you that you love us. thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can look at at, uh, external documents, external books and things that that men men that are godly have written and and we can glean and learn and grow from them. But, Lord, we thank you more than anything that, that we have your word to draw from in that. So we thank you for the foundation that you give us in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would truly stir within all of our hearts and minds that that we need to know what it is we believe and why we believe it to be truth. And we need to to spend time with you. Lord, let us truly be grateful for that time that we have now. We, We can freely worship. We were able to walk in these doors in the daylight without anybody hindering us. How blessed we are, Father so i thank you for the fellowship i thank you for times of prayer I thank you for your word i ask lord that you would help us all help us with those distractions that we face on a on a daily basis and even a moment by moment basis god even those times where we're trying to just get in and spend some time in prayer and and we're distracted by whatever it may be the barking dog or whatever it is but god that you would bring a calmness just the presence of your Holy Spirit that we can concentrate on you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here today that feels like they're stuck in a rut, God, would you give them the ability to step up and out of that? Would you give them the confidence to reach out a hand and say, please help me get out of this rut? Would you give them fresh vision and passion to run after it? Restore and renew our hope. The world around us is crazy and seems to be falling apart, but we have hope in You, God. Those here this morning, You have called; they know it. Even right now, as we're praying, they're they're grinding with that. They're pushing back. They've they've disqualified themselves from being obedient to that call. Lord, help them have that God confidence that You can and will use them. Help them truly to to shift gears and ask the Holy Spirit uh, to start or to continue the new work that he has been and is doing in their life today. And soften our hearts and help us to spend more time with you, more time in prayer, more time in your word. Let let us spend so much time that, that, that it's obvious that we have spent time with Jesus. Father, draw us closer to you and use us as you have us here for such a time as this. Every Sunday, we we end every service with an opportunity to respond, to surrender your life to God, to, to have that relationship restored with the Father. You see, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was perfect. He created man and woman, and they were perfect. And sin came into the world. And when that sin came into the world, it broke that relationship between God and His creation. And ever since then, we've had this battle where we try to fill that void with things. We feel that void with alcohol, with drugs, with, with sex and pornography, with material things. We, we feel that void even thinking that if we're religious enough, if I go to church enough and if I do enough kind things and it'll make it and I'll be okay. All those things will fade away. And that void, that hole is still going to be there. It's only through Jesus that that void can be filled. God sent his son, Jesus, from heaven, from the beauty and majesty of the creation of heaven to earth, knowing that as soon as his feet hit the ground, he was walking to the cross where he would be beaten and spit upon and whipped, nailed to the cross where he would die brutally. That blood that was shed was for your sins and my sins. He went to the tomb, dead, but he rose again. And because he rose again, he's in heaven with the Father now. He's interceding for you right now. And because of that action, we have then the opportunity to repent, to turn from our sins, to ask for forgiveness of our sins and have a restored relationship with the Father. The reality is, is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what the scar, it doesn't matter what the sin, it doesn't matter if you've fallen somewhere along the way, there's healing for your life today. And that's through the blood of Jesus. The simplicity is this, if you confess your mouth with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It's a simple conversation from your heart to God's heart.
0: It's not a magic
1: prayer. I'm going to give you some words in a minute, but, but really it's a conversation between you and God that restores that relationship. So if every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to say, if that's you this morning, if you would say, Scott, I, one, maybe maybe you're saying this morning, I need to restore that relationship. I've had it, but I've walked away. If that's you and you need to restore that relationship with God, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. Or maybe it's two. You've never asked God to forgive you. You've never had a relationship with the Father. I would ask you also to slip your hand up. Or We're just going to say a quick prayer. Maybe you're watching online. This is for you as well. If that's you, pray this. Dear Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe you're alive today. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my life today. Be Lord of my life. And I will follow you the rest of my day. Thank you for loving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and begin that new work in me today and help me to share the hope that I have now with others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to pray with you. If you prayed it online or on the radio, you can email scott at foothillscalvary.org. we will get back to you as well.
0: This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the word together, Sunday mornings at nine and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.